Well, welcome back, everyone, to Fringes of the Faith, a podcast where we talk about the weird stuff in the Bible. Sometimes we talk about controversial stuff going on in the world, but today we're going to talk about a topic that is gripping men, women, and even children. I'm Pastor Paul Henderson, Administrative Pastor of Capstone Church in Fort Worth, Texas, and sitting next to me is a returning guest. This is Stephanie Williams, our family ministry Director and Minister. How are you doing today, Stephanie? I'm doing great, Pastor Paul. Good, good. Well, I want to have a very candid discussion about something today, and there is a specific reason why I asked Stephanie to join us on this podcast, um, because this is a topic that we need as a Christian and as a church body, not just Capstone, but as an entire church body. This is a, a topic that we need to be talking about more often, and we need to be addressing it, and that is the topic of pornography. Yeah, whenever I talk to women about discipleship or whenever I'm anywhere near women who are teaching, I tell them, you need to go there. You need to talk about this. This is happening. It's happening whether we see it or whether we don't. And because of that, if it's happening in people's lives, if it's happening in men, women, and children's lives, we need to be talking about it. That's right. And, And it's having a major impact on our young men and our young women like it never has before. And it's having a particularly strong impact on Christians. Yes. Um, pornography is, is ancient. It's been around since, you know, people have been writing or drawing. It's existed for millenniums. It's been the one common denominator. Uh, co- common, let me try to say that again. One common denominator. There you go. All right. In every single complete breakdown and destruction in all of the societies that have failed, and it has also led to the extinction of all the major past empires. I'm glad you mentioned that, because sometimes what I hear somebody use as an argument for pornography is that it's so ancient that it's been around from the beginning. Even the Romans had pornography, and yet what happened with the Romans? Yeah, they uh, failed. And that came about because of sexual immorality. When you, when you read Roman history, you will find out that at the, when the Romans started to decline, it was because of a societal breakdown in their moral compass. And, you know, there's somewhere else that's happening right now. Some have accused the United States of having a moral breakdown. Uh, I think that it's no, no accusation there. Guilty. Yes. In my opinion. Because, did you know that America is the number one manufacturer, the number one supplier, and the number one consumer of pornography. I do know that. Mm -hmm. Did you know that there are over 100,000 internet subscription sites for porn in the United States? Which is shocking, but what's even more shocking is that there are 28,258 viewers of pornography every second. Wow, that means one, two, three, that number times four, five seconds now. That's more than 100,000 views. That, that is incredible. And since subscriptions range from 20 to $40 a month, we're talking about a lot of money. We are talking about an industry that is just making billions and billions. Um, but that's not the number one reason why pornography today is so prolific in the lives of our, our men and our women and our children. The reason it has become so prolific is because now there's this advent of free pornography sites. And that creates opportunities for minors and children to view pornography. 
And what's interesting is they don't even have to search for those websites. They're sent out as blast texts. They're hidden in memes to be clicked on. They accidentally land on these websites at a very, very, very young age. And then once they see it, it's just like crack, as Pastor Paul mentioned earlier. Yeah. And of course, the industry giants in pornography will tell you that they don't condone children watching porn. But however, it's a lie. Because like what Stephanie's talking about is they will target phone. They don't know who, 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 what the age of a person who has a phone or not. They don't care. Um, because pornography addiction, like you just said, crack, it's an addiction. Just like tobacco was an addiction. They didn't have any problem. The tobacco companies didn't have any problem selling tobacco products to minors. Let's be very clear. We are a capitalistic country. We are not capitalistic unless type of country. For our companies out there, our people out there, where we already have this mindset of how do we make money? How do we make money? How do we make money? How do we make more money than last year? And the only way to make more money than last year is to continue to increase the consumer base. That's right. Because here's the thing, just like when tobacco first came out and it wasn't an issue for minors to buy it, um, the sooner that a minor would get hooked on nicotine, the more money that the tobacco companies would make because it's now you're talking about a generational thing, a generational addiction. Same thing with pornography. The sooner that, that the porn industry gets someone hooked on pornography, the more money that they will make. Right. And they'll say they're not targeting the children. They do say that. But we also know that it's probably not true. If social media can create a social media jail where you can't log into social media because you said something they didn't like, certainly a porn industry who makes a ton of money could figure out how to filter children from seeing their material. They don't because they don't want to. That's right. So We've been talking about money. We've been talking about how, the industry and how much money. Right now, the pornography industry is worth an estimated $97 billion. Did you say billion? Billion dollars, not million, billion. In 2019, it was reported that Pornhub, which is one of the largest sites on the internet, received 42 billion visitors to their website in that year alone. And that has exponentially increased and that's just one of the websites. And what was the statistic again about how many are viewing it every second? You're not going to believe this. 35, oh, every second? Mm-hmm. 28,258 people are viewing pornography every single second. Wow. That is amazing. So if you thought COVID-19 was a pandemic. No, this is a pandemic. Yeah, compared to pornography, COVID is nothing more than a, the sniffles. And, and we should also be clear that this is a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. It is in the United States. We are a huge, massive producer and consumer, but it is not unique to the United States. It is a global pandemic. It is, and it's only getting worse. Um, and here's, here's a statistic that really kind of shocked me, that porn viewership ranges from ages starting as early as six years old. Yes, six years old. Can you imagine? No, I can't. So how does a six-year-old begin viewing porn? How does that happen? A lot of times what we see from research is the six-year-old got a hold of porn through their parents, which is their parents are viewing pornography and they don't clear their browser well, or even if they do clear their browser well, it's not perfect. The, the children end up with 
seeing the same images that their parents are watching, or your parent, the parents forget that they have their bottom drawer full of pornographic material and the kids go looking for something and they find it and boom, once those images are there, they stay. Plus, remember all those blast texts that you get, that I get, that we don't want, or at least I think everybody gets them. I get them. I don't want them. I get them. I don't want them. If you're a six-year-old or an eight-year-old playing on YouTube with mommy's phone, you don't think twice about hitting a link that you think might take you to YouTube. Yeah. And I have another uh, theory, too. I think that mainstream television shows right now, they are, compared to the 1950s, they would call what is on TV today smut in the 1950s. They wouldn't even allow it. But there is a movement in mainstream television to ease the restrictions uh, I mean, even today's content to ease the restrictions. They they are actually lobbying government officials to allow full frontal nudity in their regular programming shows. I mean, like, you know, in their primetime shows. It's, it's crazy. It is insane. I would have thought in the 90s when they pushed all of the explicit lyric laws and rules that we wouldn't have to come back here again and be arguing over nudity on primetime television. And yet here we are. Yeah. And you'd say, well, no, that's, that's never going to happen. It's already happening. It already happens in other countries like France. It's already happening. You can, you can turn on a television show in another country and it's there. It's, you know, some people call it soft porn, but it's nudity and it's headed that way, folks. I'm telling you, they are lobbying hard. Why are they lobbying for this? Well, because of the advent of the internet TV, of streaming services now. You've got Netflix and Hulu and YouTube TV and Prime Video. Mainstream television is is hurting. They are hurting for for viewers. And so what's a good way to attract viewers? Nudity and sex. Sex sells. It's addictive. And so why not? I mean, get them addicted. And, you, and then I think that's already headed that way. And that's why we see children as young as six years old that are beginning to understand these concepts of, of sexual relationships just by watching regular TV with their parents. Their parents probably, you know, are not even thinking twice about, you know, what they're watching, but they see this stuff on regular TV shows. And it's, it's, it's a drug. As a matter of fact, we'll talk a little bit more about an organization calling it a, the new drug but anyway man i just it's it's only a matter of time stephanie before we're, we're having to deal with this and i want to interject here there's a lot of counter argument that if full frontal nudity is normalized then it won't have the stigma and the sexual connotations that we have with it right now except here's the deal our brains are geared they're geared for sex in some ways, right? So there's no amount of desensitization that's going to ungear our brains to procreate. That's just part of how our minds and our bodies were created. And normalizing full frontal nudity isn't going to change 10,000 years of biology. It's just there. Or instinct. Or instinct. Yeah. Um, so what is the church doing about this sexual pandemic? Well, one, we're making a podcast. Well, that's, that's one way, but other than that, not much, because they may be even contributing to it. Yes. Mm -hmm. According to relationshipsinamerica.com, almost 40% of Protestant and Catholic men view pornography multiple times a week. Multiple. Mm -hmm. Those who regularly attend church services view pornography slightly less than those that do not. Slightly well, less. That's good. Yeah, it's good, but it's not great. 
And it's not just Christian men who are addicted to pornography either. What do you mean? According to an ABC News article published, and this is back in 2011, back then up to 17% of Christian women at the time were addicted to pornography. And you know that number has now grown to 33%. You know, Pastor Paul, I actually think that number might be higher. I think that it's being underreported. It's being under self-reported. And also, I'm not even sure that women realize how addicted they are or how much pornography they're actually viewing. I think there might be a little bit of self-deception going on. Yeah, it could be. Um, it makes you kind of wonder, it, does it boil down to an individual's definition of pornography or, or their perception of it? I think it does. I think that we have some old ideas of what pornography is, going into a CD video store, buying a video and taking it home and popping it into a VCR. Well, no more VCRs. We can't be having pornography anymore, right? Wrong. There's all kinds of websites and links and sexting that we're looking at as women, maybe not even realizing that it's pornography. We're not even associating it with pornography. We've made it something else in our minds, but that's what happens when you are on a drug, right? Mm-hmm. You lie to yourself about what it is and what, how much of a problem it is. That's really good. And so I think uh, the church needs to really do some soul-searching on how to combat Christian pornography, because that's what I'm calling it. It's Christian pornography. That's what we want to talk about. Now, we know the world is addicted to pornography. I mean, you're not going to be able to get around that. But when we start talking about Christian pornography, now we need to stop closing our eyes and hiding in the sand, and we need to start addressing this stuff in the church. Yes, Um, So let's spend a little time talking about what the Bible says about pornography, because I think that there is this perception that you just talked about, that it's okay for a believer to occasionally watch pornography. Uh, And and a lot of people think that it's okay. I've heard this. I've heard this from Christian men. It's okay to watch it occasionally, as long as I'm not addicted to it. No, actually, it's not okay. Let me be very clear that pornography any amount of time is wrong. And I'm going to talk a little bit about why it is wrong. Uh, You want me to do that right now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. First of all, I'm most concerned with casual pornographic viewing, just um, a once a week viewer or once a month or a couple of times a week pornographic viewer. That's what I'm considering casual. If you have a pornographic addiction, and you probably are starting to figure out that's you, then that's a different issue, and we're going to address that as well. But for the casual pornographic consumer, I'm hoping, I'm praying that most Christians who are casual pornographic viewers don't understand the level of abuse that they are participating in, the amount of abuse that they're consuming. My hope is for most Christians who are not addicts that they would never engage in slavery on purpose, that they would never engage in rape on purpose, that they would never beat a man or a woman on purpose, that they would never purposely get anybody addicted to drugs, because that's actually what's happening on the other side of the camera for this pornography. Porn is almost always abuse. It is almost never consensual where the men or women are making a whole bunch of money. There's even been a very popular male porn star over the last 20 years who has gone to jail now for his on-camera rape that didn't look like rape. Wow. 
Yeah. So there's an underbelly to the industry and there's a part of the industry that you don't hear about that people don't talk about. Now we have heard recently of sex trafficking, but it goes way beyond just sex trafficking. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how the Bible defines pornography, because actually the word pornography is a combination of two Greek words. The first word is porneia or porneia, which has a couple of different meanings. And then it's the word graphene, which is where we get the word graph or graphing. And so porneia has a couple of meanings. One of them is prostitution, uh, sexual immorality, fornication, sexual intercourse. And basically the way that the word is translated, it means really any sexual related activity. Okay. I want to add to that because anytime you're looking at modern pornography, every time it is a form of prostitution. Every time it is a form of sexual immorality. Every time it is fornication. Every time porno- pornography is sexual intercourse. It, porno- pornography today, by its very definition, is always going to be a sexually related activity. That's right. And so the word graphene literally means to record or to document or to write or, and even draw. And so when we say it's been around for millenniums, I mean, because pornography is actually, you can find that on, on cave walls. You can find it in, in Egypt. You can find it in all of the uh, ancient civilizations that have ever existed where, you know, they had writings and drawings. You find it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they have pictures. They draw pictures of pornography of men and women engaging in sexual activity. So when we put these two words together, we get pornea graphene, and what we're actually saying is the literal documentation of prostitution, the literal depiction of sexual immorality, the literal recording of sexual intercourse. And so that's the thing. Pornography is not a new thing. Mm -hmm. When we're looking at the Bible, sometimes we want to say, oh, those are rules or ideas that are old and, and, you know, it's a new age, it's a new day. But here's the thing. We haven't invented the sin. All we've done is gotten better at documenting the sin. We've always had the fornication. We've always had the abuse. We've always had the sexual morality. We've just gotten better and better at how to make it look more and more more life, lifelike, like mm-hmm. it's happening right mm-hmm. now, and how to get access to it mm-hmm. easier. That's yeah. the only thing that's changed. Yeah, so when we use the English word pornography, uh, we automatically assume it means video or photographs. But in, in the day of internet streaming services, it's really now it's just automatic internet. You think of the word pornography, you're thinking internet porn, right? Um, and it, we know it's, it means we're going to be watching people engage in sexual activity. And that's what it is. And the word pornography does not relate to God's intended purpose for sex between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. A husband and a wife. Mm-hmm. So the thinking behind Christian pornography being okay is that it's not a big deal. It's culturally accepted. No. That's not accurate. And it's not hurting anyone. That's the, that's the argument. It's not hurting anyone. It is absolutely hurting somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we just talked about all of the abuse and the, the underbelly of the porn industry, the things that are not on camera, the things that go on behind the scenes that, that either uh, result in these young men and, and young women engaging in this type of behavior. And and they're also not just men and women, right? The people on the other side of the camera oftentimes are teens and children as well. Mm, yeah. 
And so you're probably sitting there thinking, okay, you two, you, y'all are some Bible thumpers here, and you're and you're talking about pornography from the Christian perspective. Well, let me just give you the perspective of the psychologist in, in, the, in the world of psychology today. In 2018, there was an article written in Psychology Today that lists four ways that pornography use can cause problems. You ready? Let's hear it. Problem number one, lack of sexual satisfaction. So I'm going to talk about the men first, okay? Um, the effects of viewing porn on men showed a significant decrease in sexual satisfaction. The opposite of what you're seeking, basically. The decrease is directly proportionate to the frequency that porn is being watched, meaning that the more that a man watches porn, the less sexual satisfaction there is. Oof. And this decrease leads to frustration and anger and eventually depression. And for married couples, it will lead to relationship problems. I actually saw a statistic that said that for young married couples who view pornography in their 20s, even together, their rate of divorce was significantly elevated. Yeah, that is. I have that in my notes, actually. Yeah, so we may get to that. Now, for women, watching porn, create, watching porn creates the same lack of sexual dissatisfaction. Um, the same as men, but it's actually it's, it's worse for women. Really? Yes, because it, 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 they, what they found is, through the research, is that it's a more rapid decline. In other words, viewing porn for women quickly leads to frustration uh, and anger and depression, especially if the woman is not married, they're not in a relationship, and or they attend church regularly. I mean, it's just like almost twice as fast the plummet goes twice as fast for women. Than and yet women is one of the fastest growing markets. It is. Yes, and all studies conducted, this research group from Psychology Today stated, this is, quote, this is what the psychologist, secular psychology says about pornography. Quote, under no circumstances was pornography use associated with greater sexual satisfaction. These findings, while, uh, correlate, give me that word. Correlational? Thank you. Suggests that even infrequent use of pornography has negative effects on sexual satisfaction, end quote. I believe it. Mm -hmm. Problem number two, inaccurate depiction of sex. Problem number two is directly related to problem number one. The research found out that pornography does not accurately depict the reality when it comes to sexual satisfaction. This article states, quote, if porn is taken as a how-to manual for sex, it does a bad job to say the least. When it comes to instructing viewers on sexual pleasure, porn is generally inaccurate and likely to lead to low-quality sex and infrequent satisfaction, especially for female partners, as well as one-dimensional, likely unsatisfying sex for males, end quote. I would like to add to that. Uh, counseling and psychology used to believe that they could use pornography to help increase sexual satisfaction and to help people overcome any fear associated with sex. What they found while they were trying to use porn to treat people that were traumatized is that it actually just continues to traumatize people. And it always, even among untraumatized people, it lowers their sexual appetite. It lowers their sexual abilities. It lowers their sexual satisfaction. It is not a how-to manual. It's the opposite of a how-to manual. And what's even scarier is that sex traffickers will use pornography as a way to 
force girls into how they want to look and how they should behave during a a paid rape is what's happening um, because the men coming in to see them or the women coming in to see these sex trafficked girls, that's what they're expecting them to do because they saw it on porn. They're paying for sex and they want the girl or the boy that they've purchased for sex to behave like the porn that they've seen. Wow. And, and I can't help but think because, you know, we do a lot of training on how to recognize uh, pedophilia, how to recognize uh, risky behavior from adults as they interact with children. And I do know that um, from my previous life in law enforcement that one of the ways that pedophiles will groom children and minors is through pornography. That's, That's one of the main ways. After they gain their trust, then they will begin introducing them into pornography. And so um, if you're still thinking that it's harmless, uh, think again. And just consider, if you have a child at home, if your mom or dad or an older brother or older sister, and you have somebody younger than you living in that home who have, who's accidentally landed on a website that you visited before, saw porn on your phone or your screens, if they are being groomed by an adult outside the family, they're going to assume my older brother has watched this. My older sister has watched this. I saw this on mom or dad's screen on accident. This must be an okay thing that all grownups do. Hmm. So it just makes the grooming even easier. Yeah. So let's talk about problem number three, because this is, this is actually a, a, a cycle that happens with the viewing of pornography. It's called loneliness. It's a cycle because pornography use causes loneliness, which increases the perception that more pornography use will satisfy their loneliness. You see how that works? Yeah. It's like a vicious cycle. This article goes on to suggest that their research describes this, that pornography addiction arising from maladaptive efforts to use porn to alleviate loneliness and other negative feelings In this view, pornography use is a two-phase process of arousal and euphoria during sexual stimulation, followed by relief and comfort after completion. However, pornography provides temporary relief, but ultimately induces greater feelings of loneliness and isolation, disrupting normal attachment behavior, leading to greater difficulty forming stable, satisfying relationships, and further increasing the likelihood of using pornography as a substitute for intimacy with others. So that's a lot of psycho mumbo jumbo to say that pornography traps you into a cycle of loneliness, which eventually leads a person into not being able to have any stable or satisfying relationships with anybody else. That is so sad. And it makes sense. They've all, but the, the biology there makes sense because in a loving committed marriage after sex, there's usually cuddling and sleeping of some form or fashion. Whenever you have a porn episode and you masturbate and you're alone, you have a crash in all of those endorphins. If you were with your husband or wife, there are added endorphins from the skin-to-skin contact. Mm. And so we talk about not being able to establish satisfying relationships or stable relationships. Uh, it, this inability f- to, to form intimate relationships like you're talking about between husband and wife, it leads to further loneliness, frustration, and anger. And eventually, here's the word again, depression. 
we're going to see this word a lot when it comes to pornography, which is depression. So porn use is directly related to increased suicide rates for both men and women. Do you know that? I didn't know that, but I believe it. Mm. Just like with any drug addiction, um, drug addiction will also lead to increased suicide rates. Alcoholism, drug addiction, pornography. It's kind of a, see a pattern here, I think. So it really is the new drug. Mm, it really is. So problem number four, divorce. Research conducted by two psychologists in 2018 who studied 2,120 married couples spanning from 2006 to 2014 found that overall the chance of divorce doubled for both men and women who started using porn after getting married. Wow. I mean, we're already talking about a culturally accepted um, form of legal separation called divorce that is what we're probably at about 60% now of marriages. About that, yes. Yeah. So you talk about 60% of all marriages without pornography uh, ending in divorce. And now when you introduce pornography into the marriage, that doubles that. That's just like a loaded gun. So what if you're not married? You may be sitting there saying, well, I'm not married. So it has you know, no harm, no foul. The research found that 50% of young married couples in their early 20s, you talked about this, who viewed pornography during their marriage were divorced. So even if you're not married now and you're viewing pornography and it's an addictive drug, you go into your new marriage with an addiction to porn and that will lead to a double rate of divorce, at least 50% of you, but it's going to be higher than that. There is some good news in all this though. What is that? If you're 50 years old and you start viewing pornography in your marriage, it doesn't seem to have any direct correlation to divorce. But the other three problems we talked about still exist. Loneliness, um, inaccurate depiction of sex, and sexual dissatisfaction. So even though you may not be getting divorced if you're 50 or older, uh, those other problems are going to be in the picture. And ultimately, all three of those lead to frustration anger, and depression. So, according to secular, non-religious, worldly research conducted by accredited psychologists, pornography is not normal. It's not useful, and it leads to detrimental problems associated with mental and emotional distress, ultimately causing individuals who are addicted to pornography or who, who use pornography, even occasionally, will experience loneliness and depression. Wow. So, no amounts of watching porn is good. That's what secular psychologists are saying. So, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about, you know, all things are permissible, right? And I, I hear this a lot. All, well, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And I would say to the Christian out there, man or woman, that thinks that, you know, that watching occasional pornography is permissible because Paul says that everything is permissible, I would tell you it's not beneficial for all of the reasons that we just listed. So, plus, uh, there's more that the Bible says about pornography. There absolutely is. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to talk about that, or do you have some information that you want to impart? Well, I think you're about to mention some other things that the Apostle Paul said. But mm -hmm. when the Apostle Paul was asked about what new Gentile Christians you know, 2,000 years ago, what rules they needed to follow, fleeing, running away from not engaging in pornea mm -hmm. was one of the top three. He That's said, right. you can't 
no idol worship. Well, you're worshiping the Lord now, so that makes sense. Uh, don't eat meat with blood in it. We all know that's bad for us. And then he said, flee from pornea, mm-hmm. pornography. Mm-hmm. We like to just look at that as sexual immorality or fornication outside mm-hmm. of a marriage, mm-hmm. but the actual word was pornea, which we yeah. use for pornography. So let's talk a little bit about what Paul says to the Corinthian church, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, I'm going to... I'm going to read this from the Amplified Translation. It says this, Run away from sexual immorality in any form, whether thought or behavior, whether visual or written. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the one who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from the sensual urges, those dishonorable desires that wage war against the soul. Those dishonorable desires he's talking about is pornea. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 13 says, let there be no pornea, no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. And when you see, when you, when you read these scriptures, there's more out there too, but there's this theme all throughout the New Testament about not engaging in sexual immorality. Can I, I want to add something right mm-hmm. here. It's not just the Apostle Paul that wrote these things. It was also the Apostle Peter yes. and James and who James. wrote the book of James mm-hmm. and all of the elders mentioned in Acts. So it wasn't just one writer of the Bible mentioning a couple of times. It was almost all of the writers of the New Testament mm-hmm. and their elders saying, flee from this. Don't do this. Right. That's the thing we were talking about. It's like multiple authors, uh, multiple apostles and disciples wrote about abstaining from and staying away from and running from sexual immorality. So here's the thing. What exactly is sexual immorality? Because what you you talking about a while ago, Stephanie, was that you know we may have a different perception or definition of what sexual immorality is versus what the real biblical definition of it is. So you got to remember the Greek word porneia, right? That's the word used here in the original manuscript. It means any illicit sexual activity. Now, illicit means prohibited or banned or unlawful. Where do we find sexual sexual immorality banned or unlawful? In the Bible. Absolutely. Yeah. God provided Moses the laws for sexual conduct in Leviticus chapter 18. He's the same God yesterday, today, and he will be the same God tomorrow. These laws are still in effect today in God's kingdom. It has never changed. And basically, after you get through all of the thou shalt nots, it boils down to this. Sex is only lawful if it is between a man and a woman who are married. End of story. That's it. So don't have sex with relatives. Don't have sex with animals. Don't have homosexual sex. God says that anyone who does these detestable things, and he uses the word detestable, Anyone who does these detestable things and others we didn't even cover, but Leviticus 18 covers it, they must be cut off from their people. They've got to be cut off from their people. That means the people that aren't doing these these things need to look at the people who are doing this and say, no more, you're not a part of us if you're going to continue doing that. Guess what? That extends to believers. We should be able to look at each other and say, look, if you have a problem with this, we need to get you to seek some help. You need help. It's not something that you can do on your own. Um, there are many resources out there that can help you. One of them that comes to mind is Every Man's Battle. That is a book that has been written 
specifically addressed for men and women uh, as to why do men view porn and what kind of effect does it have on their relationships? It's a very powerful book, and that's one of the resources that I point men to when they come and they say, well, Pastor Paul, I'm struggling with pornography. First thing I'll do is I say, have you read this book? And they'll say, no. And I'll say, here it is. I give them a copy of it. And, you know, it changes their lives. It really does. It has a uh, powerful effect. So you want to talk about something really taboo for believers? Let's do it. The list of sexual immoral behaviors that are listed in Leviticus 18 fails to mention sex with oneself. Masturbation. It does not mention masturbation. And I hear a lot of people um, with their opinions that since it doesn't specifically address masturbation, then masturbation must be okay. Right? What, What do you think? Well, I would agree that it is not specifically directly addressed in the Bible. However, the actions and thoughts that lead up to and during masturbation is addressed. Masturbation is the product of the thought life. It is a product of covetous desires. I believe that. Okay. So those desires play out in the thought life, and they result in a physical act. Yes. A fantasy, basically, right? Fantasize. These thoughts are defined in the Bible as lust. Lust is coveting. Now, coveting means a strong desire to have something that belongs to someone else or to have something that does not belong to you. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus spells it out in very clear terms that anyone who lusts after another has committed adultery. But he goes on to say something else that his listeners would have understood. We can understand it too if we will just allow ourselves, stop justifying our behavior and allow ourselves to listen to the words of Jesus. Here's what he says. This is Jesus. Quote, You have heard the commandments that say, You must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. End quote. So let me ask you a question. Do you think that watching pornography or viewing pornographic material causes you to lust? I think it would absolutely cause someone to lust. Why else would you look at it? To be engaged in lust. Right. Jesus goes on to say, quote, and if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, end quote. Let me ask you another question. Does watching pornography or viewing pornographic material cause your hand to sin? It would definitely cause a person's hand to sin. Now we're talking about masturbation. Yes. Even though it's not specifically addressed, the word, all of the behaviors that lead up to it, and Jesus says, if if your hand causes you to sin, it would be better to go through life without that hand than it would be to burn in hell. And I hate to be like a big Baptist, you know, fire, brimstone, hell preaching dude, but I'm just telling you what Jesus says and what the Bible says. That's how dangerous pornography can be. And pornography is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. So just because Jesus, who is God, by the way, doesn't specifically say don't watch pornography and do not masturbate, I think we're all smart enough here to know that that's exactly what he means. Yes. That's the way I take it. I I think it includes masturbation in a big way. Mm-hmm. So what do you do if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast or you're watching this vidcast and you're struggling with pornography? First thing you need to realize is that you are not alone. 40% of Christians, 40% of Christian men 
And there's 33% or higher of Christian women who struggle with pornography. You're not alone. No, it is a problem and a growing problem, and you you are not alone. Mm-mm. We talked about some of the resources that you can use. There's another one called Every Young Man's Battle, and that's for young men and women as well. Uh, there's a book called Tactics, and Tactics provides practical steps to neutralize the sexual pollution in today's culture, because that's a good way to put it. Today's culture is full of sexual pollution. It is a very, we live in a very sexual, sexualized country. Sex sells. Sex sells. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's this secular group I want to talk about now that, that says um, that pornography is the new drug. And this group is called Fight the New Drug. And they're secular. They're not religious. They take a scientific and a biological look into the effects of pornography. And you can learn more about them, and I encourage you to, to, to look at them, to look, look them up at this website, fightthenewdrug.org. That's fightthenewdrug.org. If you're struggling with pornography, go to this website. Read the scientific information, the scientific data, and the biological data of the effects, the negative effects of porn. Fightthenewdrug.org. But I think we would be remiss talking about this uh, on this podcast if we didn't provide some keys of breaking free from pornography addiction. I think that's a good idea. Because there are some keys that we can leave you with before we end this episode. Uh, According to Blazing Grace, there are four keys to breaking porn addiction. You ready? Let's hear them. Number one, eliminate isolation. That means you need to connect with someone and let them know that you're struggling with porn because we all fall short of the glory of God. There's no condemnation for all that are saved by grace in the name of Jesus. If you keep this hidden, what's going to happen is it's going to grow and it's going to fester and it's going to eventually destroy you and your faith. Eventually it will. So find someone, confide in them, let them know you're struggling with it. Have an accountability partner. I mean, if you're a man and you need an accountability party partner in this, you need to go to another man. Yes. You don't cross genders when it comes to accountability. So men, if you're struggling with pornography, find another man in the body of Christ, someone that is either been through it themselves or they are not struggling with pornography and seek their counsel and just stay connected with them. And women, I would urge you to also find an accountability partner. We don't talk about it a lot, right, ladies? We don't stand around in the bathroom while we're doing our mascara talking about pornography. But here's the thing. Nobody's going to be shocked that you've seen it. And nobody's going to be shocked when you ask for help. They might, there might be a moment's hesitation. Oh, my gosh, we're actually talking about this thing that we don't usually talk about. But stop being isolated. We need to go there. We need to talk about it. We need to bring it out in the open. We need, we need to fight the new drug. Exactly. Expose the darkness. Bring it into the light. And guess what happens? Everything gets revealed and everything gets healed. So you've got to reveal it before you can get it healed. Number two, remove the trap. So don't be isolated. Find someone that you can confide in. Let them know you're struggling with it. And then number two, remove the traps. And that means if you've got photos or videos on your phones, on your tablets, on your laptop, on your computer, any device, delete them. Take a moment right now, find your device, think about all of the devices that you may have these things on, and you need to start deleting them immediately. You have to remove 
the traps. You have to remove the triggers. If you have emails that contain sexually explicit materials, including photos, videos, or links, delete them. Not just from your devices, though. If you have Gmail or Yahoo or Hotmail or any other mail provider, you've got to log on through a web-based portal onto your email service and go through there and permanently delete them. Permanently, because that will remove any temptation for you to go out and find them later. They may not be on your, your device, but they're still in the server. So you've got to physically go there and delete them from the server. Here's a big one. And this one is going to be difficult. If the internet is a problem, you may have to take drastic measures and install an app that will lock you out of sexually oriented websites. So here's my question. Why is that such a drastic measure? It seems pretty obvious to me. It does, but because of the advent of phones, you have the internet in your pocket at all times. And while you may think that you, you have the strength not to look at certain websites. You know, when you get on Facebook, um, when you get on even just mainstream news media, uh, you will see advertisements for if men. You'll see advertisements for ladies' underwear. You'll see advertisements for swimsuits, bikinis. You'll see advertisements um, for all sorts of things, and it will trigger you. It's a trigger, and so... If you think that, that you can do this on your own without using some kind of a, an app to block these sexually uh, oriented websites, you're wrong. You can't. You're going to need help. It's an addiction. It's a drug. You, drug addicts, if they've been taking heroin um, for any length of time, if they've been smoking crack, if they've been uh, doing meth, they just you just can't go cold turkey without feeling some negative effects. You just can't biologically and physically more than off, more than not, you're going to return to it. So you say, well, what kind of an app or what kind of apps are out there? Well, there's a good one called covenant eyes. It's a good app to use. You can search for apps that block pornography. And there's, there's really a, a really good list there. Some of them allow you to uh, assign a, an accountability partner. So that means that you would select someone to be your accountability partner, and they would have access. They would be getting reports mm. from these applications. So let's say that you have Covenant Eyes, you've got one of these blockers on your phone, and you just happen to go to one of these sites. It is recording your activity, and it will send a report to your accountability partner. We'll let them know there are three potential sites that they visited that could be sexual in nature. That gives the accountability partner an opportunity to call you or to text you and say, hey, you doing okay? Mm. Do we need to talk? Um, I have been an accountability partner for a couple of different men, and it really it does work. It does work. Um, here's a big one. If you're on TikTok or Facebook or YouTube and you find yourself scrolling and, and you stop on provocative images or videos, you need to get off of TikTok and Facebook and YouTube. You just need to, I'm telling you, you got you to do everything you can to get off of this drug. And I want to add something to that about TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, anything that you're scrolling through on these websites, the social media websites, and you pause for even a second, the algorithm picks that up and starts feeding it to you. Let me give you an example. I was on TikTok. I logged in uh, TikTok and I slowed down in my scrolling for a cat video. I am not a cat video type of girl. I'm not even a dog video type of girl. 
And TikTok has forever recorded that in its algorithm and feeds me animal, animal videos, kitty cats, <laughs> doggies, horses, more kitty cats. All I did was look up from my phone for a second while somebody was talking to me, and the algorithm in TikTok took that and ran with it and never quit. So if you pause for even a second on these images, TikTok will pick that up. You might not have even realized that you paused for a second. TikTok and Facebook did. And what's even more disturbing is that because all of these social medias are connected with other people, if people inside of your friend group are viewing certain images or Googling certain things, Facebook, TikTok, some of the other social media, Google will send you one of those advertisements to see if you share the same interests as your friends. Makes sense, right? At an advertising level. It works that way for everything. Mm -hmm. So if you have a friend who paused on a video too long um, on sex or pornography, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, they're going to send you an advertisement or a video across your stream to see if they can get a hit from you as well. So it's not just you that is going that's sending these these images to yourself it can be in your friend group if you struggle with pornography if you have an addiction or you just have a really strong habit you have to get off the social media mm -hmm. you have to delete those counts mm -hmm. so number one eliminate isolation connect with somebody let them know you're struggling with it number two remove the traps remove the triggers that means whatever it is get it out of your life Oh, and one more thing. Turn on safe search. That's a good one. Yeah, turn on safe search. Number three, deal with the underlying cause. Most people who are addicted to sex are also addicted to porn. And most people who are addicted to porn are also addicted to sex. The vast majority of people addicted to sex have some form of trauma that has happened in their life that is driving the lust factor. What I mean by that is if you've been abused in the past or maybe you're being abused now, you need to get help. You need to find a qualified biblical counselor that can help you find healthy ways of coping with the hurt and the pain that you've experienced. If you're currently being abused, you need to speak out. You need to tell someone um, who will address it appropriately. And I want to add to that. If you are under 18 and you're especially if you're under 15 and you have a boyfriend or girlfriend that is older than 18, that is not your boyfriend. That is not your girlfriend. That is your pedophile. Oh, yeah. You are being abused. Mm -hmm. I know they say they love you. I know that they take you out to dinner. You need to get help. And here's the other thing too, that oftentimes that people who are being abused, um, in that case, in that case that you're talking about, there's some part of, of, Maybe there's some part of you inside that enjoys it, uh, but that doesn't make it okay. It really doesn't. It's still abuse. Well, and remember that your body, especially once you're a teen, is built, it's built to enjoy sex. Mm -hmm. And just because you do doesn't mean you're complicit. It doesn't mean that, that it's okay. Right. You can still speak out and say, hey... I need to get away from this guy. I need to get away from this girl mm -hmm. because they are not your boyfriend. They are not your girlfriend. They are your pedophile, even if you enjoy it. Yeah. And so there's some common threads that run through people who struggle with sexual addiction and porn addiction. They have four things in common. Number one is they feel isolated. Number two, 
They've been emotionally and often physically abused by their father, their mother, their siblings, their cousins, or other family members or close friends of the family. They have a problem accepting God's grace in their heart. They feel guilt and shame and don't believe that God will ever forgive them or accept them. And number four, they try to fill the void of God's love because they don't feel worthy enough to have God's love, so they will look for something else, and it usually is sex and pornography. They hunger for unconditional love, but they look for it in other places because they don't feel like they're good enough now, that they're damaged goods, that God will never love them. That's sad. Those are the four things in common that people who are addicted to sex and addicted to pornography. And then there's number four. So what do we, what do we look at? Number one was uh, isolation, eliminate isolation. Number two, remove the traps and the triggers. Number three, deal with the underlying cause. And then the fourth one, keep seeking God. You know, I, I heard a pastor say one time, and it's very true, that when you sin as a human, we have this tendency to turn away from God. But he said, and I agree with it, when you sin, you need to be turning to God. Um, so don't give up on him because he's never going to give up on you. Keep praying for God to change your heart and to reveal the power of his grace to you. He's full of grace. Is it is it grace infinity? No, there will be a day when the dispensation of grace, that period is over. Um, so grace is important, but it's also important to realize that you need his forgiveness as well. And that really, Paul goes into a lot of that. Shall I continue on sinning so that grace may abound? And he says, no, that's not what that means. So ask God to lead you to a counselor or someone you can trust to walk with you through this area of your life. That's that eliminate the isolation part. When we mess up, run to God. Don't run away from him. He already knows you messed up. You're not going to ever surprise him. Uh, just go to him and let him know, hey, I messed up. Uh, again, Lord, and repent and really repent. Turn away from it. I want to add that. I want to add something right there as well. If you, if you know you have a problem with pornography, or even if you're just a casual view, viewer, but you just don't want to stop, that is also something you can take to God. You can tell him, hey, God, I heard this is a sin. I don't want to give it up. Help me. Yeah. And he will start turning your heart. He will start revealing the parts of pornography or the part of whatever sin it is that he knows will tug at your heart to bring you into redemption. Mm -hmm. So you can be honest with God about that. He's not surprised that you, want, you don't want to give it up. He already knows. He's just waiting for you to go to him and ask him to change your heart. God is, he's like a heart surgeon, right? He's in the business of changing out hearts. Tell him, let him know, hey, I know this is a sin and I don't want to give it up. Let God help you with that. That's good. That's really, really good. And so I know that there are many, many questions. I know that we may have opened up Pandora's box for you if you are, you know, if you're viewing pornography, um, whether it's casual or whether you're addicted. And so you may have questions yourself. Um, as a matter of fact, you get asked questions all the time, don't you? I do. I do. What are some of the questions that, that women ask you about pornography? I actually have a list that I compiled. These are the questions that I'm asked the most often face-to-face -face from women. And 
And I would say it's increased, these questions kind of increased over the past decade. Their first one is there is a type of pornography called anime. You might consider anime those funny drawings with the like pointy noses on them and uh, the the sharp corners and the drawings of the cartoons. Oh. Well, there is... Oh. You mean like, okay, like if you're if you're my age or older, you'll remember a cartoon called Speed Racer. That was like one of the first forms, I think, of anime that that's what it was built off of. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. if you didn't know what anime was because you're older, that's kind of the picture I get is that cartoon of Speed Racer. Right. I, because of my age, I always think of like Pikachu or something like that. That's another anime uh, cartoon. Well, there is a whole genre of anime pornography and it's, it's a cartoon and it is also pornography. They're depicting a lot of sex. And I get asked by women oftentimes, is anime porn wrong? And I want to tell you, yes, it is. Just because it's a cartoon, just because it's not live action, that's what they call like movies and stuff now, live action. Just because it's not live action doesn't mean it's okay. The dirty cartoon is still pornography and pornography is still wrong. Also, I want you to consider this for a second. It's a cartoon sex. Cartoon sex. Who is it geared towards? Not the 50-year-old. It's geared towards, towards children and teenagers, and it's desensitizing them. So you're contributing to a market that is trying to groom children for pornography and to consume pornography. The other reason that it's not good is because it, it's, not, it's not victimless. You're still causing all of those brain changes in your brain, especially if you're younger uh, there's actually a lot of teens now and young adults prefer anime and cartoon over live action. They don't. They just don't prefer live action the way that somebody over 30 might. So it's just a new type of pornography, not even new, I think they had it 100 years ago too, that is targeting the next generation to get them addicted as early as possible. I mean, if you walked in and your six-year-old was watching a cartoon... Do you even check? I would assume that it was innocent. Parents, check out the cartoons your kids are watching. I mean, cartoon or not, I mean, you bring up a good point, is we have to go back to what Jesus said. If your eye, even your good eye, causes you to sin, it's better to, to gouge it out. Is watching anime causing your eye to sin? Is it causing that reaction, the brain chemicals in, to react and causes that desire for sex? If it does then it's, you know, it is what it is, pornography. And I also want to point out, I want to add to that, that game, gaming, when you play video games and it has pornography in it, it is also pornography and it is also wrong. You can't play those video games with pornography inserted into it. The next question that I get asked a lot is, is watching porn with your spouse okay? And I get asked that question probably more often than I would expect. And the answer is watching porn with your spouse is wrong. Don't do that. One, you're watching pornography. You're engaging in the sex trafficking. You're engaging in the abuse. You're consuming the molestations and the child, because most of those people on the other side aren't. Yeah. Anyways, uh, you're engaging in all of that as well. Just because you're engaging with that 
with your spouse doesn't make it okay. The screen's just tricking you into thinking something is safe and righteous when it's not. And also, do you really want to desensitize your spouse to pornography in any arena? It opens up such a Pandora's box, as Pastor Paul was saying. Do you really want a depressed, enraged spouse running around all the time? So then why would you introduce he or she to pornography that often increases rage and depression? Yeah, and if you're under the age of 50, we know statistically that you're increasing the chance of divorce by 50% more. I mean, you're doubling your, your inc- you're doubling your risk for divorce. And I also want to add that if you are going to a strip club with your spouse or sexting, that it, you need to stop that as well. Sexting is a type of pornography. And the other question that I've been asked is, is sexting, is that wrong? Yes, it is wrong. It is inducing some, it's inducing lust. It's creating lust in yourself. And, and it's just unwise. Don't send naked pictures of yourself to people. Don't do it. Yeah, and the Bible tells us, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And unwholesome, you really look that word up and you'll see what that actually means. And unwholesome talk means any unwholesome communication. And so texting is a form of communication. So, And then is sexting with your spouse wrong? So this one is a little more befuddled, right? But here's the thing, that you are doing something incredibly unwise. Sending a sext through the internet to somebody else is not secure communication, first of all. And if you're doing something that incredibly unwise, anything could happen with those videos or pictures. Wisdom comes from God. So if it's that unwise, it's definitely not coming from the Lord. And why are you desensitizing your spouse to watching naked girls and boys on the video? Don't do that. It's not good for them. It's not taking care of your spouse. It's not, um, it's not protecting them. It's not loving them. If if you're wanting to lust with your spouse, if you want your spouse, go home and have sex hmm. with your spouse. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Any uh, other questions? Yes. Are, are, are romance novels wrong? Like yes. Like Harlequin romance, those kind of novels? Is that what you're talking about? I don't know what that is. I'm showing my age. I'm sorry. Oh. That's the only thing that came to mind, like romance novels. I was thinking, like, if it, ta- if it talks about sex... If it depicts sex, then it's pornea. If it's describing sex, it's pornea. It's targeting women usually. Put it away. No, don't even put it away. Burn it. Get rid of it. Don't even put it away. Just get rid of it. Because it is pornography and it is wrong. Hmm. Okay. Any other questions? Usually the question I get is, Pastor, I'm struggling with pornography. How do I make it stop? (laughs) Turn it off. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I wish it was that easy, though. I do want to review some of the some of the sex trafficking associated with pornography. It is my hope that for casual viewers of pornography that you would not watch it anymore. The reason why is that with pornography, it comes with a huge amount of sex trafficking. Explain that a little bit. I mean, when you hear the word sex trafficking, most of the time. 
people think prostitution or forced prostitution. So explain a little bit about what you're what you mean. Well, first of all, most of the women and a lot of the men on pornography is forced prostitution. Mm-hmm. Uh, directors and agents who who are putting these filming sessions together, they're not typically honest about what's going to happen during the filming. Typically, once the filming begins, it is far more graphic and far more um, just... Violent? Violence and gross, that's the best word I can think of it, than what they're told in the terms of their contract. Then they use drugs to help sedate the women or get them addicted to something so that because it, they're addicted to the drug, they'll keep, cons- keep doing what they want them to do, uh, which is not what they want to do, and that is rape or prostitution. The other thing that happens is these modeling agencies have women and men sign contracts that are vaguely worded. And then when the filming begins and they're, for example, raped on camera or something happens on camera that they didn't actually agree to they use the terms of the contract to to say that they're going to cause legal problems for these men and women if you're undocumented in particular they're highly targeted then they're even scared to go to the police they also use the terms of the contract for the next time the filming is forced on them to appear consensual during the filming So just because they appear consensual, that's because they've been plied with drugs and alcohol and because they're scared of of being jailed or sued for their life's earnings because they didn't hold up their contract. What's also terrifying to me is that a lot of pornography depicts very real sex slaves or they've been kidnapped or they've been groomed away from their families and they have been placed in situations where they are you're watching when you're watching pornography you're you're watching their abuse is what you're doing for example there was a 14 year old that was gang raped that video of that rape was placed on the um one of the popular platforms you've i know you've Everybody's heard of it, apparently. And it was viewed, her rape was viewed 400,000 times. That was on, I believe I heard, I read the story, and that was on Pornhub, I think. Yes. Yeah, that was the story that came out a couple of years ago, I think, about that. Yeah. There's also been documented cases where parents would find their grooms or runaway children by viewing as much pornography as possible looking for their child. Kidnapping victims have been rescued Yeah. Um, The other thing is that once there's one pornographic image of some of these young women and young men, women and uh, girls and boys, once there's one video of that, they continue to engage in the same behavior. They continue to be filmed because they don't think they can go home or tell their parents. Shame. They're they're ashamed or, or they just, I mean, I would never want my family to see me in that kind of position. So it's just embarrassing, right? Mm -hmm. Just the level of flat-out embarrassment, even if you're not ashamed. Um, Half of all women who are sex trafficked um, and rescued, half of them report that unwanted pornographic films have been made made of them and uploaded to the internet. Hmm. So when you are engaging in pornography, even if it is on a well-respected, well-known legal website, most of those websites place illegal content and legal content 
side by side. They're all mixed in there together. The number one search term on pornographic websites is teens. Hmm. Well, when for many people, when they hear teen and pornography fee, they're thinking 18, 19. But you know what? A 13-year is also a teen. The reason teen is the most common website, uh, common search term, is probably because typing in child would be a red flag on, on the internet. So instead, they say teen, and they're searching for those younger teens. That's creepy. It is incredibly creepy. Huh. And I know, I know, you know, we talk about human trafficking a lot. That's gotten a lot of attention lately. And most of the time when we say human trafficking, we're thinking about, you know, uh, migrants in the back of a truck, in a semi-truck, cramped in and, you know, crossing over the border. That is one form of it, yes. But another form of it is when someone's trying to leave their country for whatever reason, maybe uh, for refugee reasons or, or right now Ukraine, maybe for war reasons, they're trying to leave their country. And so they they hire someone to get them out and they take them to America and they think that now they're free. Well, now they become indentured servants to the person that got them out and to America, and they're sold, and they're sold into sex trafficking. So human trafficking results oftentimes in sex trafficking. Keep that in mind as well. Okay, and I also want to point out that pornography doesn't, it introduces ideas into society that weren't necessarily always there. Things like bestiality. Bestiality wasn't a huge, um, huge problem in the United States, but it's growing. Uh, it's introduced through pornography, incest, pedophilia. All of those things are being introduced through pornography, and they become acceptable in pornography. How do I know that? Because they're all searching for teens, right? A lot of those people searching for teens wouldn't necessarily go pick up a 13-year-old at the mall, but they feel comfortable viewing a video of a teenager. Oh, yeah, you see, you see the news reports all the time about... Uh stings happening where yes. law enforcement officials are on you know on on the computer posing as 14 and 15 year olds and they get these very mid-aged 40 year old men um trying to to meet with them to have sex and so and and we had Dr. John Savell on for our podcast and we talked about kind of this gay political revolution and in that discussion he mentioned that we're in the middle of the third phase of, of a cultural shift. And that third a phase... A planned cultural a shift. A planned cultural shift. And that phase is pedophilia. And that is what is happening. And so if this is outrageous, if this enrages you, uh, you need to let your voices be heard. You need to stand up. Now's the time for the church to rise up. If we don't rise up right now in this critical tipping point, um, then we can just you know, lay back and watch the world burn. Uh, it's time for us as a church to address these issues, to address pornography, to address uh, pedophilia, to address human trafficking, to address sex trafficking. Uh, we're the only ones left. We're the gatekeepers. And if we lay down and we don't, we don't put up any kind of resistance, it's over, folks. If we're just going to sit around and wait for Jesus to come, what's going to happen when he does come? And he says, what did you do with the time that I gave you? How did you redeem your time? Well, I let all this stuff happen on my watch. Hmm. Not good. Not good. No. So, not good. Um, if you are out there and you are struggling in this area, any of these areas that uh, we've been talking about, 
and you want a list of resources, email us at info at capstone.church. That's info at capstone.church, and we will get you a list of resources. And we have people here to pray for you. Um, we have a, a, a ministry here that is, that is fairly new, but it's, it's a good ministry for those that are struggling with homosexuality and lesbianism and any, any LGBTQ um, issues out there. Just know that, that uh, we love you, and you know we're here. We care about you because you're God's family. You're in God's family. And if you're not in God's family, we still love you because you're God's creation, and we want you to be in God's family. So that's it for this episode. I really do thank you, Stephanie, for coming on and, and talking about this because I, I wanted to talk about the reason I wanted Stephanie, I wanted you to come on and talk about this because we, we have to remove this idea that this is something secret, that we can't talk about this openly. Yeah. Uh, because if, you know, like we said earlier, if you keep it hidden, it's just going to grow and fester. And so we hope that we have provided an, an example of how mature adults can have this conversation. Okay? Yeah. I tell the women here at Capstone all the time, it, people are going to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Let's be part of the people. Let's, let's go there. Let's have the conversations. Yes. That's good. Let's have the conversation. Well, thank you for listening. If you, uh, if you like this content, please hit the like button and share it. Share it, share it, share it, share it. That's the only way to get the word out. That's the only way the algorithms will see that it is interesting content and more people will see it. Not because we are looking to be popular. We're not. We want the word of God to go out. That's the only reason. All right. Well, God bless you guys. And remember to stay alert, stay in the word and be not deceived. We love you. Bye-bye.